...of what I'd see if I looked into hers. Two weeks in the psych ward rendered me incapable of pulling off my usually dazzling impersonation of a happy, successful single mother. Andy knew I was drunk in front of Charlie every day for over a year. She'd heard me describe the misery etched across my child's face each time I pulled the cork on yet another bottle of wine. She knew the damage I'd done. Cadence, she prodded. Finally, I managed to look up at her round, pretty face. For the most part, I like Andy, except when she suggests I might be wrong about something. In the two months I have known her, this has happened more often than I'd like. She met my gaze and smiled softly. I didn't respond, so she spoke again. Try to think about it as what's best for Charlie. Isn't it best for Charlie to see his parents get along? I asked. I've read enough advice books on how divorced parents should act in front of their children to feel pretty confident I was right about this one. I longed to stand before Martin and put on the face that said everything was okay. I wanted to prove to him that whatever darkness had reared its ugly head inside me had subsided. I had it back under control. Yes, seeing you get along would be best, Andy conceded. But it's not realistic. Martin just filed to take custody away from you. Your emotions are running insanely high. Even with the best intentions, it would be hard not to confront him. I don't want to confront Martin, I said. I just want to talk to him, explain that I'm better, that I'm getting help with this problem. Pleading your case is just going to stir up a bunch of negativity. Charlie is five years old. Even if you manage to restrain yourself from fighting, he's smart enough to pick up on facial expressions and the tone of your voices. You don't want to upset him. I could fake it, I said. I knew it wouldn't take much. When we were married, Martin and I fought and then went to bed with an invisible force field between us. In the morning, I gave him a smile, a kiss, and then made a pot of coffee and his lunch. Shape-shifting into what made Martin happy was something I already knew how to do. Andy looked at me with her gentle, tiger-like topaz eyes. Have you considered that maybe faking it is what got you here? I was eight months pregnant when Martin and I decided I would leave my reporting job at the Seattle Herald. I'm not sure where I got the idea that working from home while taking care of an infant would be easy. I guess I thought freelance writing would grant me flexibility and plenty of free time to be with my son. Of course, after spending three years juggling the incessant demands of both self-employment and motherhood, I realized there was nothing easy about it. There was only one person in charge of my day, and his name was Charlie. Mama, he said, jumping on my bed one morning in May, a few months before he turned four. Time to wake up. I groaned, rolled over beneath the covers, and peeked at the clock. Six o'clock on a Sunday. Oh, sweet Jesus. Charlie, honey, can you go back to bed? It's too early. No, it's not. He bounced on the mattress, jarring my throbbing head.
Finishing off that bottle of Merlot had been a bad idea. Since Martin moved out the previous November, my usual limit was one glass, maybe two a night, and then it was only to help me sleep. But then the night before, with Charlie already down for the count, I figured it wouldn't hurt to enjoy another glass while I worked. When the contents of my cup grew low, I splashed in a little more to top it off. Before I knew it, there was none left to pour. Now I propped myself up on my elbows and looked at my son through scratchy, dry eyes. He was starting to lose his babyish looks. His dark, wispy curls were must, his cheeks were pink, and his ears stuck out from his head like a chimpanzee's. My little monkey. Do you want to cuddle with me for a while? I asked, hoping he'd take the bait. No.